Hi, thank you, Bhante. We are on page 174 in the Visuddhimagga, number 42. And Aurora, can you start us off? However, a female body is not appropriate for a man or a male one for a woman. For the object, namely the repulsive aspect, does not make its appearance and body of the opposite sex, which merely becomes a condition for the wrong kind of excitement. To quote the Majima commentary, even when decaying, a woman invades a man's mind and stays there. That is why the sign should be apprehended in the six ways only in the body of the same sex. But when a clansman has cultivated the meditation subject under former enlightened ones, kept the ascetic, ascetic practices, thrashed out the great primary elements, discerned formations, defined mentality, materiality, eliminated the perception of a being, done the ascetic's duties, lived the moral life, and developed the development, when he contains the seed of uh, turning away from formations and has mature knowledge and little defilement, then the counterpart sign appears to him in the place while he keeps looking. If it does not appear in that way, then it appears to him as he is apprehending the sign in the six ways. It's funny that they, um, there's actually a story of a monk who, uh, who was enamored of a woman, and uh, the Buddha brought him to see the woman's decaying body, and I remember it, it helped him quite profoundly. Does, it, does anyone remember that story? It's funny that they don't allow it because there's actually an example of where... But there's certainly a point there. I think it's a prostitute or something, right, Bhante? Nagarasobani was the word used. Right, yeah. Nagarasobani, the... the, yeah. That's what I remember, a courtesan or something? The city beauty. beauty, Nagara is city, Sobani is one who makes something beautiful or one who is beautiful, beauty. But it has a. I think it actually means prostitute. I think the Buddha tried to Buddha uh, tried to uh, auction the body because uh, people would pay for her. I mean, a yeah, lot of gold right. coins when she was alive. People would but pay now no one. And then and then he brought them to him and he said to them, "So, so now how many coins would you pay? <laughs> would you pay to spend a night with her?" And the monk was there, and and uh, there was a monk who was. Who benefited from all this? That's pretty hardcore. But it made and the point for sure. I guess the funny thing is that some people actually, there are actually people who would, uh, yeah, be in trouble. Yeah, they definitely don't want this type of meditation then. Well, at least not for a member of the opposite gender. I mean, there's a point to be had there that, as they say, even when even when decaying, the body is, you know, hey, you can... See, the mind adapts, really. I mean, this interesting about homosexuality, heterosexuality. I don't, you know, have, have any authority on this, but it seems quite clear that it's fluid and someone can become homosexual. And I think, you know, there's all this talk about ridiculing people who try to become un... un you know who who ex who are ex gays, 
And I bet it's possible if someone really wanted to that they could cultivate uh, a new form of sexuality. I don't know. I mean, there may be something, some uh, aspect of it that's organic, but um, the point being that in the beginning you'd look at the dead body and be disgusted by it, but after some time you're able to then see the sign of a woman or the sign of a man in it and and block out all the the rotten stuff. Wasn't there a movie? I didn't see it, but there was a movie about people who... Oh, anyway, it's not really... Bhante, I, I remember in the Parajika Palya, uh, there was a monk uh, who uh, had some sexual experience uh, looking at a woman's uh, skeleton. <laughs> then she he was expelled later because he broke the rule. That's funny. I don't remember that one. There's lots about what constitutes having sex with a dead body. <laughs> yeah, won't go into it. Forty-four. But if it does not appear to him even then, he should apprehend the sign again in five more ways. By its joints, by its openings, by its concavities, by its convexities, and all around. Hi, Glenn. Are you able to read this week? It looks like you, you've got yourself muted. Okay, maybe some technical difficulties with Glenn's mic. Um, Ramesh, hold on. I don't have a book with me right now. Oh, okay. I can uh, put the link in for you for next time around. I'll, I'll okay. just enter the link into the uh, text box. Sorry. Sorry for the delay. One moment. Thank you, Bhante. And Ramesh, we're on page um, 175. We'll just catch up with you next time. Number 45. Herein, by its joints, is properly by its 180 joints. But how can he define the 180 joints in the bloated? Consequently, he can define it by its 14 major joints. Thus, three joints in the right arm, three in the left arm, three in the right leg, three in the left leg, one neck joint, one waist joint. By its openings, an opening is hollow between the arm and the side, the hollow between the legs, the hollow of the stomach, the hollow of the ear, he should define it by its opening in this way. Or alternatively, the opened or closed state of the eyes and the opened or closed state of the mouth can be defined. By its concavities, 
it should define any concave place on the body on the body such as the eye sockets or the inside of the mouth or the base of the neck or he can define it thus i'm standing in a concave place the body is in a convex place by its convexities he should define any raised place on the body, such as the knee or the chest or the forehead, or he can define it, define it thus. I am standing in a convex place. The body is in a concave place. All around. The whole body should be defined all around. After working over the whole body with knowledge, he should establish his mind thus. The bloated, the bloated upon any part that appears clearly to him. If it has not appeared even yet, and if there is special intensity in the bloatedness in the belly, establish his mind thus, the bloated, the bloated, on that. Again, just to remark on the fact that uh, it's pretty clear throughout this text that this was the traditional means of practicing meditation, to use a mantra. Uh, I mean, it's just another reaffirmation of the sort of practice that we do that seems strange to people because they're not they they weren't expecting to have to use a mantra to practice insight meditation but it's uh, actually the ancient way of uh, mantra meditation so which is also why I talk about what we do as as mantra meditation and I've gotten called out for that uh, because I know the text don't you know Mahasi Sayana I don't think ever called it a mantra and Teachers, modern teachers don't call it a mantra, but that's really what it is. It's a word that is meant to establish the mind, as is being said here. Anyway, I just thought that it's interesting to point out, and you'll see it throughout the text, that this really is considered to be the te technique for practicing meditation. Fifty. Now, as to the words, uh, he sees that the sign is properly apprehended, etc. The explanation is this. The meditator should apprehend the sign thoroughly in that body in the way of apprehending the sign already described. He should advert, it, uh, advert to it with well-established mindfulness. He should see that uh, it is properly remembered, properly defined, by doing that again and again, standing in a place not too far from and not too near to the body. He should open his eyes, look and apprehend the sign, he should open his eyes and look a hundred times, a thousand times, thinking repulsiveness of the bloated, repulsiveness of the bloated, and he should close his eyes and advert to it. And again, just to remember that the word uh, sign here is, is referring to the characteristic of being bloated. So you, you need an ob the point is you need an object in meditation. And here the specific object isn't the body, it's this characteristic. Like when you, when a, you look at a woman and you see it, you see the idea of a woman, the characteristic of a woman, or you look at a man, and you know that it's a man. Which is why some for some people, we we get thrown off because we're not sure if they're a man or a woman, right? In in cases of um, whatever that is called, I can't remember. As he does so again and again the learning sign becomes properly apprehended by him.
when is it properly apprehended? When it comes into focus alike, whether he opens his eyes and looks, or closes his eyes and adverts, then it is called properly apprehended. Ramesh, can you read 52? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, very well. Thank you. Actually, now I'm not hearing you. Um, are you able to just push down the button while you're speaking? Uh, how about now? Yes, that's better. Thank you. Um, when he has does properly apprehended the sign, properly remembered it, and properly defined, then if he is unable to conclude his development on the spot, he can go to his own lodging alone in the same way as this of his with no companion. Being that same meditation of full mindfulness well accept with his mind not turned outward, owing to this owing to his faculty being turned inwards. Okay, I think you have to tweak your audio settings because it's cutting out. You might, uh, have, to, you might have to run through the audio wizard one more time. Uh, or maybe it's internet connection, I'm not sure. As he leaves the charnel ground, he should define the path he comes back by thus. The path by which I have left goes in an easterly direction, westerly, northerly, southerly direction, or it goes in an intermediate direction, or in this place it goes to the left, in this place to the right, and in this place there is a stone, in this a termite mound, in this a tree, in this a bush, in this a creeper. When he has defined the path he has come back by and when, once back he is walking up and down, he should see that his walk is oriented towards it too, oriented towards it too. The meaning is that he should walk up and down on a piece of ground that faces in the direction of the sign of foulness. And when he sits, he should prepare a seat oriented towards it too. But if there is a bug or a raven or a tree or a fence or a swamp in that direction, if he cannot walk up and down on a piece of ground facing in that direction, if he cannot prepare his seat thus because there is no room for it, then he can both walk up and down and sit in a place where there is a room, even though it does not face that way, but he should turn his mind in that direction. Now, as to the question beginning, questions beginning with what is the purpose and characterizing the surrounding signs, the intention of the answer that begins with the words has non-dilution for its purpose is this. If someone goes at the wrong time to the place where the sign of the bloated is and opens his eyes for the purpose of apprehending the sign by characterizing the surrounding signs, 
Then as soon as he looks, the dead body appears, as if it were standing up and threatening and pursuing him. And when he sees the hideous and fearful object, his mind reels, he is like one demented, gripped by panic, fear and terror, and his hair stands on end. For among the 38 meditation subjects expounded in the texts, no object is so frightening as this one. There are some who lose jhana in this meditation subject. Why? Because it is so frightening. So the meditator must stand firm. Establishing his mindfulness well, he should remove his fears in this way. No dead body gets up or sues one. If that stone or that creeper close to it were to come, the body might come too. But since that stone or that creeper does not come, the body will not either. Its appearance to you in this way is born of your perception, created by your perception. Today your meditation subject has appeared to you. Do not be afraid, Bhikkhu. He should laugh it off and direct his mind to the sign. In that way he will arrive at distinction. The words characterizing the surrounding signs has no non-delusion for its purpose are set on his account. 58. To succeed in apprehending the sign in the 11 ways is to anchor the meditation subject. For the opening of his eyes and looking conditions are arising of the learning sign. And as he exercises his mind on that, the counterpart sign arises. And as he exercises his mind on that, he reaches absorption. When he is sure of absorption, uh, he works up insight and realizes arahanship. Hence, it was said, apprehending the sign in the other 11 ways has anchoring the mind for its purpose. The reviewing of the path gone by and come by has keeping the mind on the track for its purpose. The meaning is that reviewing of the path gone by and of the path come back by mentioned is for the purpose of keeping properly to the track of the meditation subject. Ramesh, can you read 60? I'll try. Let me know if it is not, uh, the mic is not. Or if this bhikkhu is going along with his meditation subject, and people on the way ask him about a day, what is the venerable sir? Or they ask him some question about dharma, or are they welcome him? He ought not to go on in silence, thinking, I have a meditation sub. The day must be told, the question must be answered, even by saying, I don't know. If he does not know, a legitimate welcome. Legitimate welcome must be responded to. As he does so, the newly acquired sign vanishes, but even if it does vanish, he should still tell the day when asked if he does not know the answer to the question. He should still say, I don't know. And if he does not know it, he should explain it surely. And he must respond to a welcome. Also, reception of the visitors must be attended to a seeing a visiting bhikkhu and all remaining duties in the uh, Kandakas must be carried out 
2. This is the duties of the shrine, that is, the duties of the Bodhi tree, that is, the duties of the Uposada house, the duties of the refractory and the bath house, and those to the teacher, the preceptor, visitor, departing because, and the rest. Thank you, Ramesh. That was cutting out quite a bit less. Um, Sanka, Sanka had a suggestion in the text box there for you to, to look into. And the newly acquired sign vanishes while he is carrying out these two. When he wants to go again, thinking, I shall go and take up the sign, he finds he cannot go to the charnel ground because it has been invaded by non-human beings or by wild beasts, or the sign has disappeared. For a bloated car corpse only lasts one or two days and then turns into a livid corpse. Of all the meditation subjects, there is none so hard to come by as this. So when the sign has vanished in the way, in this way, the bhikkhu should sit down in his night quarters or in his day quarters and first of all review the path gone by and come by up to the place where he is actually sitting cross-legged, doing it in this way. I went out I went out of the monastery by this gate, I took a path leading in such and such a direction. I turned left at such and such a place, I turned right at such and such a place. In one part of it there was a stone, in another in another a termite, a termite mound uh, or a tree or a bush or a creeper. Having gone by that path I saw a foulness in such and such a place. I stood there facing in such and such a direction and observed such and such a surroundings such and such surrounding signs i apprehended the sign of foulness in this way i left the channel ground in such and such a direction i came back such and such a path doing this and this and i am now sitting here as he reviews it in this way the sign become evident and appears as if place in front of him. The meditation subject rises in its track as it did before. Hence, it was said, the reviewing of the path gone by and come by has keeping the mind on the track for its purpose. Now as to the words, when he has established reverence for it by seeing its advantages and by perceiving it as a treasure and so come to love it he anchors the mind on that object here having gained jhana by exercising his mind on the repulsiveness in the bloated he should increase insight with the jhana as its proximate cause and then he should see the advantages in this way surely in this way i shall be liberated from aging and death Just as a pauper who acquired a treasure of gems would and love it with great affection, feeling reverence for it as one who appreciates the value of it, I have got what is hard indeed to get. So too this bhikkhu should guard the sun, loving it and feeling reverence for it as one who appreciates the value of it. I have got this meditation subject, which is indeed as hard to get as a very valuable treasure is for a pauper to get. For one whose meditation 
subject is the four elements, the four primary elements in himself. One whose meditation subject is breathing discerns the wind in his own nostrils. And one whose meditation subject is a casino, makes a casino and develops it at his ease. So this other meditation subjects are easily got. But this one lasts only one or two days, after which it turns into a livid corpse. There is none harder to get than this one. If his night quarters and in his day quarters he should keep his mind anchored there thus, repulsiveness of the bloated, repulsiveness of the bloated, and he should advert to the mind, bringing it to mind, and strike at it with thought and applied thought over and over again. 66. As he goes so, as he does so, the counterpart sign arises. Here is the difference uh, between the two signs. The learning sign appears as a hideous, dreadful, and frightening sight. But the counterpart sign appears like a man with the big limbs lying down after eating his fill. Simultaneously with his acquiring the counterpart sign, his lust is abandoned by suppression owing to his giving no attention externally to sense desires as object. And owing to his abandoning of approval, ill will is abandoned too, as pusses with the abandoning of blood. Likewise, stiffness and torpor are abandoned through exertion of energy. Agitation and worry are abandoned through de through devotion to peaceful things that cause no remorse. And uncertainty about the master who teaches the way, about the way and about the fruit of the way, is abandoned through the actual experience of the distinction attained. So the five hindrances are abandoned. And there are present and there are present applied thought with the characteristic of directing the mind onto that same sign and sustained thought accomplishing the function of pressing on the sign, and happiness due to the acquisition of distinction, and tranquility due to the production of tranquility in one whose mind is happy, and bliss with that tranquility as its sign, and unification that has bliss as its sign due to the production of concentration in one, who, in one whose mind is blissful. So the jhana factors become manifest. Hi, Glenn. I don't Hi, Glenn. think we're, we're hearing you. Are you hearing me now? There you are. Yes, thank you. Thus, access, which is the obverse of the first jhana, is produced in him too at that same moment. After all that up to absorption is the first jhana, and mastering it should be understood as described under the earth casino. Thank you. Ramesh, can you read 69? Uh, I will pass this time. <laughs> okay, sure. As regards the living and the rest, the characterization already described, starting with the going in the beginning, in the way beginning, one who is learning the bloated sign of foulness goes alone with no companion, with unremitting mindfulness established, should all be understood with its exposition and intention, substituting for the word bloated the appropriate word in each case thus. 
one who is learning the livid sign of foulness, one who is learning the festering sign of foulness, but the differences are as follows. The livid should be brought to mind as repulsiveness of the livid, repulsiveness of the livid. Here the learning sign appears uh, blotchy colored, but the counterpart sign appears, counterpart sign's appearance has the color which is most uh, prevalent. The festering, the festering should be brought to mind as repulsiveness of the festering, repulsiveness of the festering. Here, the learning sign appears as through trickling, but the counterpart sign appears motionless and quiet. The cut-up is found on a battlefield, or in a robber's forest, or in a charnel ground, where kings have robbers cut up, or in the jungle in a place where men are torn up by lions and tigers. So if when he goes there, it comes into focus at one adverting, at one adverting, although lying in different places, that is good. If not, then he should not touch it with his own hand. For by doing so, he would become familiar with it. He should get a monastery attendant or one studying to become an ascetic or someone else to put it together in one place. If he cannot find anyone to do it, he should put it together with a walking stick or a staff in such a way that there is only a finger's breadth separating the parts. Having put it together thus, he should bring it to mind as repulsiveness of the cut-up, repulsiveness of the cut-up. Herein, the learning sign appears as though cut in the middle, but the counterpart sign appears whole. I'm kind of surprised that they considered the, the bloated more difficult to find than that one. Well, the, the bloated, I think the point was it doesn't last very long, wasn't it? Yes, but, yes, I guess, but, I mean, was it common to have people cut up and left around? Um, no. I guess either way, it was probably tough to find these meditation subjects. In, in the morgue today, it's, um, they do actually have cut-up bodies, so there you go. Yeah, definitely easier today. I guess you can just go to the graveyard and cut it up yourself if uh, you want a body like that. No, there's something about not touching it yourself, right? For doing so, he would become familiar with it. You have to have it. You have to have it already set up for you, ideally, for some reason, to keep it pure. To keep the idea in your mind pure, I guess, so you don't think of, you're not distracted by other ideas about it. I see. The nod. The nod should be brought to mind as repulsiveness of the nod, repulsiveness of the nod. Here the learning sign appears as though nod here and there, but the counterpart sign appears whole. The scattered, 74. After getting the scattered put together or putting it together in the way described under the cut-up, so that there is only a finger's breadth, 
separating the pieces, it should be brought to mind as repulsiveness of the scattered, repulsiveness of the scattered. Here the learning sign appears with the gaps evident, but the counterpart sign appears whole. The hacked and scattered is found in the same places as those described under the cut-up. Therefore, after going there and getting it put together, or putting it together in the way described under the cut-up, so that there is only a finger's breadth separating the pieces, it should be brought to mind as repulsiveness of the hacked and scattered, repulsiveness of the hacked and scattered. Here, when the learning sign becomes evident, it does so with the fissures of the wounds, but the counterpart sign remain the counterpart sign appears whole. The bleeding is found at the time when blood is trickling from the openings of wounds received on battlefields and as above, or from the openings of burst boils and abscesses when the hands and feet have been cut off. So in seeing that, it should be brought to mind as repulsiveness of the bleeding, repulsiveness of the bleeding. Here the learning sign appears to have the aspect of moving like a red banner struck by wind, but the counterpart sign appears quiet. The worm infested. There is a worm infested corpse when at the end of two or three days a mass of maggots oozes out from the corpse's nine orifices and the mass lies there like a heap of patty or boiled rice, as big as the body, whether the body is that of a dog, a jackal, a human being, an ox, a buffalo, an elephant, a horse, a python, or what you will. It can be brought to mind with respect to any one of these as repulsiveness of the worm infested, repulsiveness of the worm infested. For the sign arose for the elder Chula Pinda Pitika Tissa, is the, is the corpse of an elephant's carcass in the Kaladigawapati Reservoir. Here the learning sign appears as though moving, but the counterpart sign appears quiet, like a ball of bo boiled rice. A skeleton is described in various aspects in the very beginning. Uh, as though he, he were looking at a corpse thrown onto a charnel ground, a skeleton with flesh and blood held together by sinews. So, so he should go in the way already described to where it has been put and uh, not noticing any stones, etc. With their surrounding signs and in relation to the object. He should characterize it by the fact of its having attained that particular individual essence thus. This is a skeleton. And he should apprehend the sign in the eleventh place by color and the rest. But if he looks at it, apprehending it only by its color as white, it does not appear to him with its individual essence as repulsive but only as variant of the white casino. Consequently, he should only look at it as skeleton, look at it as a skeleton in the repulsive aspect. Mark is a term for the hand, etc. 
ear, so he should define it by its mark, according to hand, foot, head, chest, arm, wrist, thigh, and shin. He should define it by its shape. However, according as it is long, short, square, round, small, small or large, by its direction and by its location, are as already described. Having defined it by its delimitation according to the per peri periphery of each bone, he should reach absorption by apprehending whichever appears most evident to him, but it can also be defined by its concavities and by its con convexities according to the concave and convex place in each bone, and it can also be defined by position thus I'm standing in a concave place. The skeleton is in a con convex place. Or I'm standing It should be defined by its joints according as any two bones are joined together. It should be defined by its openings according to the gaps separating the bones. It should be defined all around by directing knowledge to its compre comprehensively. Thus, in this place, there is this skeleton. If the sign does not arise, even in this way, then the mind should be established on the frontal bone and in this case just as in the case of those that preceded beginning with the worm infested the apprehending of the sign should be observed in this eleven-fold manner as appropriate This meditation subject is successful with a whole skeleton frame and even with a single bone as well. So having learned the sign in any one of these eleven ways, he should bring it to mind as repulsiveness of a skeleton, repulsiveness of a skeleton. Here the learning sign and the counterpart sign are alike, so it is said. That is correct for a single bone, but when the learning sign becomes manifest as a skeleton frame, what is correct to say is that there are gaps in the learning sign, while the counterpart sign appears whole. And the learning sign, even in a single bone, should be dreadful and terrifying, but the counterpart sign produces happiness and joy because it brings access. What is said in the commentaries in this context allows that deduction, for there, after saying this, there is no counterpart sign in the four divine abidings and in the ten kinds of foulness, 
for in the case of the divine abidings, the sign is the breaking down of boundaries itself. And in the case of the ten kinds of foulness, the sign comes into being as soon as the repulsiveness sign is seen, without thinking about it. It is again said immediately next, here the sign is twofold, the learning sign and the counterpart sign. The learning sign appears hideous, dreadful, and terrifying, and so on. So what we said was well considered, and it is only this that is correct here. Besides the appearance of a woman's whole body as a collection of bones to the elder Mahatisa thought is merely looking at her teeth, demonstrates this here. Um, Bonte? Bonte, I had a question just about um, kind of the difference between the counterpart and the learning sign, uh, where one is dreadful and hideous, but the other one is uh, viewed differently. What's the question? So the question is, is why in the, um, in the learning sign is it perceived as dreadful or hideous, whereas the counterpart sign brings happiness and peace? Well, they're both in the mind, right? And the state of mind with the, counter, with the uh, learning sign is not a focused state of mind. So there still arises terror once you think about, hey, I'm looking at a dead person kind of thing. But because those thoughts don't arise, the, the sign is actually changed as well along with the, con, uh, along with the consciousness. So uh, the sign appears more um, pleasing, again, not exactly pleasing, but more inviting. Um, it's purer and, and more exactly at one specific idea, the idea of this is a skeleton or this is, um, yeah, this is a skeleton and it's the idea of it's not being uh, at all beautiful or at all a cause for desire or attachment. So it leads to peace and calm and, and so on. But before that, with the learning sign, the sign itself is more, uh, not exactly coarse, but more in-your-face, kind of, this is a dead person, ugly, awful, kind of thing. And also the mind is unfocused. It's just that the, the two signs appear differently. The, the one is um, is very pure and exact, and the learning sign is still very much the picture of a skeleton. Like when you close your eyes and you see a skeleton, well, that's the learning sign. But the counterpart sign is is caused by the entering into the jhana. It, it appears as the pure essence of skeleton in this case. Is it kind of the difference between maybe initial aversion and then and then as concentration deepens just seeing it as it is no um well yeah i guess sort of yeah seeing it as it is that's a good way of putting it i mean not as it appears but seeing it not exactly as it is but seeing it as one specific thing so you only see it as skeleton like if you look at the bloated body the idea of something being bloated appears to you. You don't grasp it as being man or woman or so on like that. So there's no room for terror to arise. Thank you. 
General 82, the divine ruler with 1000 eyes, did him with the 10 powers eulogize, who fair in fame made known as cause of Jana, this fullness of 10 species in such wise. Now knowing their description and the way to tackle each and how they are developed, and there are some further points that will repay study, each with its special part to play. One who has reached jhana in any one of these goes free from cupidity. He resembles an arahant, without greed because his greed has been well suppressed. At the same time, however, this classification of foulness should be understood as stated in accordance with the particular individual essences successively reached by the dead body, and also in accordance with the particular subdivisions of the greedy temperament. When a corpse has entered upon the repulsive state, it may have reached the individual essence of the bloated, or any one of the individual essences beginning with that of the livid. So the sign should be apprehended as repulsiveness of the bloated, repulsiveness of the livid, according to whichever he has been able to find. This, it should be understood, is how the classification of foulness comes to be tenfold with the body's arrival at each particular individual essence. And individually, the bloated suits one who is greedy about shape, since it makes evident the disfigurement of the body's shape. The livid one suits one who is greedy about the body's, body's color, since it makes evident the disfigurement of the skin's color. The festering suits one who is greedy about the smell of the body aroused by scents, perfumes, etc., since it makes evident the evil smells connected with this sore, the body. The cut-up suits one who is greedy about compactness in the body, since it makes evident the hollowness inside it. The nod suits one who is greedy about accumulation of flesh in such parts of the body as the breasts, since it makes it evident how a fine accumulation of flesh comes to nothing. The scattered suits one who is greedy about the grace of the limbs, since it makes it evident how limbs can be scattered. The hacked and scattered suits one who is greedy about a fine body as a whole, since it makes evident the disintegration and alteration of the body as a whole. The bleeding suits one who is greedy about elegance produced by ornaments, since it makes evident its repulsiveness when smeared with blood. The worm-infested suits one who is greedy about ownership of the body, since it makes it evident how the body is shared with many families of worms. A skeleton suits one who is greedy about fine teeth, since it makes evident the repulsiveness of the bones in the body. This, it should be understood, is how the classification of foulness comes to be tenfold, according to the subdivisions of the greedy temperament. But as regards the tenfold foulness, just as it is only by virtue of its rudder that a boat keeps steady in a river without turbulent waters and rapid current, and it cannot be steadied without a rudder, so too here, owing to the weak hold on the object, consciousness when unified only keeps steady by virtue of applied thought, and it cannot be steadied without applied thought, which is why there is only the first jhana here, not the second jhana and the rest. 
and repulsive as this object is, still it arouses joy and happiness in him by his seeing its advantage. Thus, surely in this way I shall be liberated from aging and death, and by his abandoning the hindrance, oppression, just as a garbage heap does a flower scavenger by his seeing the advantage thus now i shall get a high wage and as the work as the working of purges and amatics do in a man's suffering the pains and sickness this foulness well of ten kinds has only one characteristic for though it is of ten kinds nevertheless its characteristic is only its impure stinking disgusting and repulsive state or essence and foulness appears with this characteristic not only in a dead body but also in a living one, as it did to the elder Mahatissa, who lived at Jitya Bhapada, and to the novice attendant on the elder Sangarakita while he was watching the king riding an elephant. For a living body is just as foul as a dead one, only the characteristics of foulness is not evident in a living body, being hidden by adventitious embellishments. This is the body's nature. It is a collection of over 300 bones jointed by 180 joints, bound together by 900 sinews, plastered over with 900 pieces of flesh, enveloped in the moist inner skin and closed in the outer cuticle, with orifices here and there constantly dribbling and trickling like a grease pot, inhabited by a community of worms, the home of disease, the basis of painful states perpetually oozing from the nine orifices like a chronic open carbuncle, from both of whose eyes eye filth trickles, from whose ears come ear filth, from whose nostrils snot, from whose mouth food and bile and phlegm and blood, from whose lower outlets excrement and urine, and from whose 99,000 pores broth of stale sweat seeps, with blue bottles and their like buzzing around it, which went untended with toothsticks and mouth washing and head anointing and bathing and underclothing and dressing, would, judged by the universal repulsiveness of the body, make even a king if he wandered from village to village with his hair and its natural wild disorder, no different from a flower scavenger or an outcast or what you will. So there is no distinction between a king's body and an outcast's body, in so far as its impure, stinking, nauseating repulsiveness is concerned. 90. But by rubbing out the stains on its teeth with toothsticks and mouth washing and all that, by concealing its private parts under several cloths, by doubting uh, it with various scents and salts, by pranking it with nosegays, it with note gaze and such things, 
it is worked up into a state that permits uh, of its being taken as I and mine. So men delight in women and women in men without perceiving the true nature of its characteristics, characteristic fullness, now masked by this adventitious adornment. But in the ultimate sense, there is no place here, even the size of an atom fit to last after. And then, when any such bits of it as head hairs, body hairs, nails, teeth, spittle, snot, excrement or urine have dropped off the body, beings will not touch them. They are ashamed, humiliated and disgusted. But as long as any one of these things remains in it, though though it is just as repulsive, they take it as agreeable, desirable, permanent, pleasant, self, because they are wrapped in the murk of ignorance and died with affection and greed for self. Taking it as they do, they resemble the old jackal who saw a flower not yet fallen from a kingsuka tree in a forest and yearned after it, thinking... This is a piece of meat. This is a piece of meat. There was a jackal chanced to see a flowering kimasuka in a wood. In haste he went to where it stood. I have found a meat-bearing tree. He chewed the blooms that fell, but could, of course, find nothing fit to eat. He took it thus. Unlike the meat there on the tree, this is no good. A wise man will not think to treat as foul only the part that fell, but treats as foul the part as well that in the body has its seat. Fools cannot in their folly tell. They take the body to be fair and soon get caught in evil snare, nor can escape its painful spell. But since the wise have thus laid bare this filthy body's nature so, be it alive or dead, they know. There is no beauty lurking there. You've got to be impressed by this whole text. I'm just copying down pieces that I'm going to post. There's um, the fact that he just translated that into English and put it in the ABBA rhyme scheme is uh, not to be overlooked. And the prose in, in this, I mean, this is certainly not a, uh, a dull text. Definitely not. I was I was uh, surprised the the reference to the atom above. I, I'm sure that's something in the translation, but you know. Yeah, it's probably the kalapa or something. I could look it up. I was surprised by where it tells the monk to it tells the person to laugh it off. Do you remember that? Did you catch that? Yeah, that was surprising too. Yeah. And actually, I looked that one up. It says, gives rise to a ha-sung, which could either mean laughter or, or mirth. But, yeah, it, it, it's basically an idiom that means uh, kind of see how silly you're being. For this is said, this filthy body stinks outright, like order, like a privy sight. This body men that have in sight condemn as object of a fool's delight. A tumor where nine holes abide, wrapped in a coat of clammy hide, and trickling filth on every side, polluting the air with stenches far and wide. If it perchance should come about that what is inside it came out, surely a man would need 
a newt with which to put the crows and dogs to root. So, a capable bhikkhu should apprehend the sign wherever the aspect of foulness is manifest, whether it is whether in a living body or in a dead one, and he should make the meditation subject reach absorption. The sixth chapter called the description of foulness as a meditation subject in the treatise of development of concentration in the path of purification composed for the purpose of gladdening good people. It's not exactly love poetry. Huh? It, it's definitely pretty amazing though. And it just goes on, like the whole text is full of poems like this it's sort of the same as the jatakas the jatakas are are all have all been translated into english with um rhyme schemes for the most part which is is quite impressive um, but the, the original language of course is is in and of itself it's wait until we get into the 32 parts of the body it's i think my favorite part in this whole section because it, it goes into detail about each part of the body in ways that none, you would have never thought of if you hadn't read this book or hadn't studied it like this. It really uh, puts the, puts a new light, sheds a new light on, on the nature of the body. Anyway, so that's another chapter. We've gotten through six, and we've gotten through 20 of the 40 uh, subjects of meditation. So go us. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back in maybe five minutes for Polly. Thank you, Bhante.